Hello, everybody. Welcome to Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. I'm so glad you tuned into this broadcast today. In just a moment, you and I are going to get into the Word of God together. We're going to take you into a message that came from right here at Legacy Church, Green Mountain Falls, Colorado, right here in this sanctuary. And I'm telling you, the Word of God has the anointing on it to change your life. And what we're going to get into today is so, so important. We're going to talk about guarding the heart. Now, we've been talking some about this, but you need, you need to prioritize this in your life. The Bible says more than anything else you guard, guard your heart. All right, let's get into the Word of God together and stay tuned to the end of this broadcast. I'll be back to pray with you at the end. Proverbs chapter 4. Turn there with me if you would. Like Sarah mentioned earlier today, we've been in a series over the last few weeks we're calling Guarding the Heart. Somebody say, my heart is worth guarding. My heart is worth protecting. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23... Solomon is writing to his son and he said, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. That's the new King James. The new living translation says, guard your heart above all else. Why? For it, your heart determines the course of your life. Your heart determines that. Your heart determines where your life goes and what your life becomes. So guard it, he said, above all else. The Young's literal translation said, above every charge, keep thy heart. The most, he's saying the most important thing I could tell you, son. I know I've given you a lot of advice, and he does. Like we've said before, when you go through the book of Proverbs, it is one verse after another, after another, after another, dealing with relationships, relationships with God, relationship with people, dealing with financial things, dealing with legal matters, uh, dealing with love, all of it. But he says, the most important thing I could tell you is guard your heart. Guard your heart. Again, this uh, Young's literal, above every charge, keep your heart for out of it are the outgoings of life. God's word translation says, guard your heart more than anything else because the source of your life flows from it. And that's why he said to him in verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them, them what? Them words. <laughs> that was a good Texan right there for him. <laughs> Don't you let them words. Don't let the words Get out of your eyes. Get away from your ears. He said, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them. Keep them. Put all these words together here. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For their life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Then he said it again. Keep your heart. So twice, just in a couple of verses, you hear this instruction. Keep it. Keep them in. And keep your heart. Keep my words in your heart and then guard it. Keep them in, he said. And over the course of this series, we've talked about the function of a guard. What does a guard do? A guard is stationed at a post to keep things out and to keep things in. A guard will be stationed there to keep out an invading force, but it's also required to keep in things that are supposed to be kept in. And that's why he said these words here, keep them in 
the midst of your heart. I want to talk more today about keeping the word of God in your heart. Do you have any idea what your life or my life could look like if we had kept everything we've ever heard from the word of God? We'd be different people. We'd look different. We'd be in a different place. We'd be in different shape if we had kept everything we'd ever heard, everything we'd ever been given. Now, I know a lot of you are like me, man. I grew up in this stuff. I've been hearing this word now for a long time. I'm 41 years old, and I've been hearing it for probably 41 years and nine months. I mean, this has been a steady diet in my life for a long, long time. But it's not just about hearing it. We're going to see this here in just a moment, but let me just remind you again, it's not just about hearing it. What are you doing with what you've heard? A lot of people have been talking, you know, I've been, I've been in the way, they call it. You see that in the book of Acts. They called Christianity the way. I've been in, living in the way for 30 years. A lot of people really have been in the way for, <laughs> for 30 years or more. But what are you doing? What are you doing with what you've heard? If you and I had kept everything we'd ever heard, it's kind of, think about it like this in terms of your finances. You know, every dollar that comes into your life and mine has an assignment on it. Now, very few of us live assignment-minded, especially with the money, but face it, that's the truth. Everything that comes into your life has an assignment on it. Do you know how out of this world wealthy, and I'm talking financially, you and I would be if we'd only ever done exactly what God wanted done with every dollar that ever came in. Now, I got to admit, I've done some other stuff. I hadn't done everything or only the things he'd said to do with every dollar that came in. But think about how different life would be if you'd kept it. Now, I know a lot of it needs to be spent, but how much different would it have been if you had kept it for the right thing or kept it for this thing or this assignment? Well, how much more so the word of God? How different life would look had we kept it? Go back to the book of Luke. We looked at this last week. In Luke chapter 8, you see this in Luke 8. You see it in Mark chapter 4. We'll also look at it today from Matthew chapter 13. It is one of, one of the highlights for me out of the life and ministry of Jesus. He said some things in, in these verses that are so weighty and so eternal. He told a parable, and many people refer to it as the parable of the seed or the parable of the sower. Uh, you could talk, you could, you could refer to it as the parable of the ground because he talks in here uh, about the seed that gets sown on different types of ground, four specifically, and it only reproducing one time. Now we'll read the parable again, but just let that stand out to you for a second because knowing what you know about it, Jesus said the seed that he talked about was the word of God. 
And that's the miracle of a seed, whether you're talking about this seed that's the word or a seed that contains plant life or seed that contains fruit or something like that in it. It's a miracle because in that tiny seed contains everything that it will become. Everything that it has the ability and the potential to produce is all in that seed. And this is the way God created the heavens and the earth. This is the system he set up for you and I to function in and to function by. It was this seed, then time, then harvest. And everything in this world operates on that system right there, including yourself. You were a seed. At one point, you were a seed. Everything that you are now and have become used to exist in a seed. Everything in this life starts as seed. So apply that same principle to the word of God. And everything that it is and has the ability to do, the Bible says we are born again, not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed. This is the big difference between this seed and every other seed. Every other seed is corruptible. It's dying. It's decaying. This one never will. This one has eternal life in it. And he said, that's the seed you were born again by. See, the one you were born by the first time is corruptible. It's already on its way out. But the one you're born again by is incorruptible. And that's why people fuss with you so much. And they want to fight with particularly conservative people and conservative Christian people. And, and we stand for things that we see in the word about life and how to live it. Then you've got people on, on an opposing side that say, well, listen, I, I was born this way. I was born this way. And whatever it is they're talking about, they attribute it to the way they were born. Now, before you get all fighting mad about that, wait a second. It might be true. To a certain degree, and I'm not trying to get into all that today, but listen, what I'm trying to say to you is God is not so interested in the way you were born as he is the way you were reborn, reborn, because it's the reborn nature that can take care of anything that came as a result of the firstborn nature. Are you hearing me? I want you to hear my heart on that being reborn, but it's going to have to be of a different kind of seed. It's the word of God. And this, this word has the ability to bring you and I from death to life. This word is a seed that's got life in it. It's got healing in it. It's got provision in it. It's got peace and joy and restoration in it. That's all in this seed. But knowing that, it ought to really catch your attention when Jesus said that seed got planted four times and failed to produce anything 75% of the time. And you might think, wow, well, is there something wrong with the seed? No, because when it fell on good ground, it produced some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And the moment it produced something, you know, right then, nothing wrong with this seed. So you got to go back to the ground, right? And this is what he said about it in Luke chapter 8. Um, we'll, we'll read through the parable again in just a moment, but look at verse 15. This is where we, we started with this last week. Jesus said in Luke eight fifteen, the ones that fell on good ground, the seed that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word, 
Now, every one of these people or these different kinds of grounds, they all represent different hearts. But the thing they all have in common is they all heard the word. And that's what the scattering of the seed signifies. This is people hearing the word. And just with what Jesus said, in these few verses, you can put all of humanity right here. All of humanity fits in one of these four grounds. You're, you're literally describing every person. Anybody who's ever heard the word. And God is fair and he is just. And he will make sure that every person has opportunity to hear the word. He'll see to it. I don't know how. There are people even today that live so far out and so remote and are so disconnected from what you and I call civilization. But I do know this. God sees them and he will give them opportunity to hear the word and respond to it. He's just and he'll do it. But he said in verse 15, those that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, keep it. There it is again. What do they do with it? They keep it and they bear fruit with patience. Other translations say they heard it with an honest heart. And that's what we talked about last week. A pure heart is an honest heart. But what is good ground? If, if this seed reproducing what it's able to reproduce is dependent upon the ground it gets sown into, then you and I ought to be really interested in being good ground. Somebody say it, by his grace, by his grace. I am good ground. Am good ground. <laughs> but part of becoming good ground is finding out what's in the other ones, right? Finding out what kept the word from working over here and what kept the word from working over here and what stopped the word from working in this kind of ground. Because once you identify that, you can say, okay, well, as long as I get rid of that, and as long as I've got the help of the Holy Ghost to not be and to not do that, I'm good ground. And this good word, when it's sown in good ground, produces a good harvest. The word's working. The word will work when it's sown in good ground. So I want to go back. Let's just back up a few verses here, then we'll turn back to Matthew 13. But just look at this. In verse 11, Jesus said this, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Now go back to Matthew 13. That's what we're going to dig into a little bit further today. Matthew chapter 13. And let's just take this thing as a whole again. Just start in verse 1. Matthew 13, one says on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. As a side note, that is my vacation scripture. <laughs> That's a nice piece of property when you can go out of the house and sit by the sea. That's, that's real estate right there. So anybody want to just piggyback my vaca vacation scripture? You can have it. I give it to you. It's free. 
He went out of the house. He sat by the sea. Verse 2 says a great multitude. Great multitudes were gathered together to him. So that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spoke many things to them in parables saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root and withered away. Verse seven says, some fell among thorns. The thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now look at verse 10. It says, the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? This is a private conversation. So Jesus is in the boat and the disciples are around him and there's a multitude on the shore listening to him. And he's talking to people not about God that they know of, not about the kingdom of God that they can tell. He's talking to them about seeds and ground. And the disciples are probably sitting there going, mm, yes, this is good. You all need to hear this. But then privately they come to him and they're like, hey, what's the deal with the parables? These people came to hear you preach. Why do you talk to them in parables? And listen to Jesus' answer. He said to him in verse 11, because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. Now listen to these words. Let me read several verses to you here. And it's going to take just a second to kind of dig through it. But there's a lot of revelation in it. Verse 12 says, whoever, Jesus is speaking, whoever has to him more will be given and he will have in abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, man, at first glance, this is strange because it doesn't sound fair. It's not the concept of God that people have, have developed in their minds. Jesus said, whoever has, to him more will be given. He'll have an abundance, but to whoever doesn't have, even what he does have will be taken away. Jesus, this doesn't sound fair. It doesn't sound right. Well, hold on. He's going to explain some of it. He said in verse 13, therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear. Now listen, nor do they understand. I want you to say that word, understand. You're going to see this coming up over and over. This is the whole problem right here. He said, seeing they don't see, hearing they don't hear. Now, how do you do that? It's like either you see or you don't, right? Well, no, he said, seeing they don't see. Hearing they don't hear. Well, didn't everybody hear him? Well, they heard him, but very few heard him. I don't really even know of another way to say it. Everybody out there that day saw him, but precious few saw him. Are you following me? The only example I've ever really been able to think of is, you may remember this. I know when I was a kid, this was popular for a little while. Some of you my age will remember this. Those posters 
that they made that, that looked like just shapes and, and colors, sort of a geometric thing. And, and supposedly, if you stood there and looked into it long enough, there was an image that would sort of emerge from the background of it. I see some nodding heads. You remember what I'm talking about? And it's like, if you stood just right and stared long enough with your mouth open wide enough and on one foot, then maybe you can see the image. I remember standing at the store, mom and dad are shopping and I'm looking at these posters and at the bottom it tells you there's a unicorn or there's a spaceship in there, right? And if you look at it, you'll see it and I'm standing there looking at it and I'm staring at it. And how frustrating it was when you're standing there looking at something and some kid goes walking past and goes, hey, unicorn. (laughs) Or hey, look, a spaceship. You're both looking at the same thing, but one of you sees it. Does that make sense to you? Stupid example, but I hope it sticks with you. How possible is it? And it's happening all the time where two people could be looking at the same thing, but one sees something and one sees nothing. Two people listening to the same thing, one who hears something and one who doesn't hear a thing. Jesus said, this is what's happening. It was happening then. Guess what? It's happening now. It's happening right now, especially with spiritual things. This is why you can have two people walk into the same service, sing all the same songs, listen to all the same scriptures, hear the same sermon, one walk out changed and one walk out bored. How's that happen? How's that happen? How does one encounter power and the other not? They saw the same thing. They heard the same thing. Yes and no, right? They both maybe saw a preacher, but one saw Jesus and all the other one saw was a ticking clock. When's this thing getting out? Hmm? One heard revelation. The other heard the recitation of some old scriptures and old verses and it, it, It's not the physical eyes. It's not the physical ears. It's the condition of the heart. This is the difference between getting what you need and getting what you came for and leaving bored, leaving untouched and unchanged. It doesn't have so much to do with what you see with your natural eyes and hear with your natural ears. It has to do with how your heart heard it and what your heart did with it. He said... Seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Listen to how many times that word comes up. He said, in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts. Okay, it's a heart issue. The hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts. With their hearts. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. (sighs) Understanding God and understanding His Word and understanding spiritual things is not done with the natural mind. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit PearsonsMinistries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.